Greetings, boils and ghouls, goblins and ghosts. You're tuning into Too Cool for School, the podcast. A desktop podcast for the morbidly inclined. Class is in session. I'm your ghoulish hostess, Jocelyn Wen, a.k.a. Glamour Ghoul Beauty School. I'm an actress, I have my BA in psychology, and I'm a purveyor of all things dark and spooky. So without further ado, I am super excited about this lesson. Let's jump into Spooky 101. The Origins of Halloween. I'm going to be doing a reasonably deep dive on what many morbidly inclined people consider to be the most momentous day, holiday of the year, and that is Halloween. Yes, gather your pitchforks, your scythes, your horns, I got mine going. This is what we're here for. This is what we live for. Halloween. It is that time. It is spooky season. Yes. Now, I'm sure you've heard that the word Halloween comes from All Hallows' Eve, All Hallows' Even, All Hallows' Mass, but it's a little more complicated than that. Hallows or hollow actually means holy, and this night, October 31st, actually preceded the Christian holiday All Hallows' Day or All Saints' Day on November 1st. All Saints' Day, again, was kind of instituted by uh, the Catholic Christian Church um, as a way to honor uh, the saints that didn't have their own uh, celebratory day in the year and martyrs and other um, one other loved ones who passed away honorably or that were holy. And this is very similar to uh, like my you know Mexican friends who um, celebrate the Day of the Dead or Dia de los Muertos probably sounded super gringa saying that but all hallows eve was originally another celebration in celtic ireland that goes back 2000 years but was co-opted or taken over in the 8th century by the christian church it was an effort to convert the pagan and druidic tribes of the celtic isles who the christians saw as devil worshipers because their celebrations were so associated with death or at least this particular one Having a curiosity and fascination with death makes you a devil worshiper, apparently. Hail Satan, then. Anyway, this holiday, this um, celebration that precedes All Hallows' Eve, All Hallows' Day, All Saints' Day, was actually an ancient Celtic bonfire festival known as Samhain. And yes, it totally reads like Samhain. Uh, there is a band... Uh, kind of a side project of, I believe, Danzig of the Misfits called Samhain, um, but a lot of people pronounce it Samhain. It's not completely wrong, but um, if you want to, you know, kind of pronounce it like the Celts would, it's closer to Samhain, like sow like a cow and and Samhain. For those of you uh, listening to this uh, via podcast, uh, Samhain is spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. I know, right? Samhain, but Samhain. Don't come at me. This is um, Gaelic Celtic pronunciation. Uh, and yeah, most people I often hear refer to it as Samhain. If you want to call it Samhain, I'm not going to stop you. Samhain was practiced by the ancient Celts as well as still practiced by modern ones. 
uh, modern pagans, Wiccans, such as myself. It is Gaelic for the month of November. Uh, seems a little confusing, um, but this is because the Celts followed a lunar calendar, which was informed by the phases of the moon. So any given date holiday actually began sundown the day before. So it was celebrated and is celebrated from sundown of October 31st through the evening of November 1st as a kind of kickoff party uh, marking the last harvest of the year and um, also when farmers have to cull their herds, um, choosing which animals to slaughter, unfortunately, that probably wouldn't make it through the winter and might take resources from the healthier animals, uh, livestock. Um, it also uh, denotes the nights getting longer and that winter is coming. It was a time to honor death. The Druids actually would construct these huge sacred bonfires to honor the deceased and as a um, ritual of protection for the living. Samhain uh, means seedfall in Gaelic, and it is the Celtic New Year as well as being the Witches' New Year, especially for uh, Wiccans and for a lot of Wiccans and Pagans like me. Um, it is considered one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Sabbaths of the year. Personally, for me, including uh, Samhain in my holiday spooky season festivities has just deepened my appreciation for this time of year. It, um, I don't know, has kind of expanded what it means to me. I, it just has elevated it for me as an adult. There is a good amount of dispute amongst academics, whether it's Samhain or All Hallows Eve that is responsible for Halloween as we know and love it today. But what is apparent is that the name is derived from All Hallows Eve, while much of the practices and traditions come from Samhain in medieval Britain, for example. It was common tradition to go souling and guising. On All Souls Day, November 2nd, the less fortunate would go beg for pastries called soul cakes, hence the term souling. In exchange, they would pray for people's dead relatives as well as their living ones, uh, you know, wishing them well and that they avoid uh, the hands of death via the plague or famine during the winter months. The veil between the earthly plane and the otherworld or underworld, as we often think about it, was thought to be thinnest on this night. So guising, because it was considered best to travel in disguise to confuse evil and mischievous spirits that might want to do you harm. Uh, the youth would also uh, dress up and go door to door receiving food wine and money like damn they would give kids wine i mean i guess that's not a surprise but and money like that would be so cool if we still got money trick-or-treating i'd probably still do it as an adult i get weird looks but i would still do it i realized that i couldn't go trick-or-treating anymore i was probably like 16 and for a long time halloween actually felt kind of sad i mean there was a part missing. It wasn't sad. I loved it. Um, but that's where sowing came in and saved the day for me. It gave me this other thing to do um, and enjoy on All Hallows Eve at Halloween. Um, yeah, since trick-or-treating left a hole in my spooky heart. In exchange for these items, uh, 
these kids would sing songs, recite poetry. Can you say cultured children? Very cultured, reciting poetry. Like, wow. I'd throw a couple apples at them for that. Not throw them at them, but, you know, give them a few apples for reciting poetry. Like, that's damn cool. And tell jokes. They would tell jokes. Yeah, I would totally happily give a few uh, soul cakes for that. A little stand-up show on your porch. I don't even have to leave my, my hovel. Just taking a wee little break. That's why my apron's on. And the air conditioning. Oh man. You guys ever had haagen coffee? That's what I'm eating for my little break right now. Oh no. I almost got ice cream on, on my mic. Oops. Super freaking good though. Probably shouldn't be having this at 12.30 in the evening. Because it's coffee flavored. And apparently there is like... Yeah, there's coffee. It just says coffee. You know, come to think of it. When it comes to those kids telling jokes and reciting poems and singing songs they were probably really crude obscene dirty songs albeit entertaining it's like good job timmy saying those dirty jokes about rutherford's mother here's some wine and ale if they're good you gotta give credit where credit's due right rutherford and i don't know why i was doing that in like semi-transatlantic accent uh definitely not medieval britain i was going with it oh my dog's just giving me the puppy dog eyes right now it's coffee you can't have coffee i really wish i could give you some she is the best she's my little hellhound we rescued her one of the best things to happen to me my emotional support familiar oh no i like taking a little break and eating some dessert some ice cream while podcasting you guys can let me know if you mind yum, yum. Yeah, this is so damn good elixir of the gods well this isn't an elixir but ice cream persephone the relentless she's still there she had a puppuccino today it's okay and we're back after a much needed and appreciated recess so moving right along cut to the 19th century in America, there was a huge influx of Irish and Scottish immigrants due to the potato famine who brought these customs with them, resulting in the trick-or-treating that we still practice today. Initially, it was heavy on the trick side of things with a major focus on pranks or hijinks, but by the 1950s, uh, it became the more family-friendly, candy-focused holiday that it is today. And again, because this holiday was to honor the deceased and the veil was so thin, it was thought that the dead could walk the earth as ghosts. So food and wine would be left out on doorsteps to satisfy the spirits, keep them at bay from entering the home. A sort of offering, if you will, a bribe to please leave me alone. Kind of like the kids do today when they yell trick or treat, meaning give us some treats or we're going to do some tricks. Much like the shenanigans that the medieval British children would get up to. Making jack-o'-lanterns or carving pumpkins is another tradition that we practice still, which dates back to the 17th century. Jack-o'-lantern literally means man of a lantern and would often refer to a knight's watchman of a town. But it's believed that this practice originated from an Irish folk myth about a man named Stingy Jack who was a lying, cheating, no-good Nick stealing, or I guess in this case, no-good Jack, 
Um, and he had several interactions with the devil in which he thwarted the devil and stiffed him on some occasions, for example, convincing the devil to turn himself into a coin to pay for a beer that he somehow got the devil to buy him. And once the devil transformed into a coin, he, Jack that is, pocketed this coin, this literal devil money, and paired it with his silver cross, which prevented the devil from transforming into his demon form again. And Jack told him that he would free him under the condition that he would not, the devil that is, would not take Jack's soul that he owed the devil for losing some sort of wager for one year. And then after a year came, Jack tricked the devil again in a similar fashion, I think convincing the devil to climb up a tree to get a piece of fruit, in which he then carved into this tree another cross, and again the devil was stuck. This isn't the smartest devil. Jack was like, I'll uh, remove the cross if you promise not to take my soul for another 10 years. And the devil agreed. At some point going on like this, he convinced the devil to not ever take his soul. So eventually upon Jack's death, God refused to let this thieving, lying, cheating crook into heaven and the devil peeved about repeatedly being tricked by Jack and also keeping good on, on their deal that he would never take his soul wouldn't allow him into hell. The devil, I guess, took pity on him and sent Jack off into the night with nothing but a piece of coal to light his way and Jack put the coal into a carved turnip, which is a gourd that's like native to Ireland, and Jack has been stuck roaming the earth ever since, let as legend goes. The Irish referred to the spirit or ghost figure as Jack of the Lantern and would eventually become uh, shortened to Jack Lantern. And they would carve these turnips and place them on their windowsills to scare off this spirit uh, of stingy Jack. And then when the Irish came to the U.S., they adopted this practice to pumpkins, which were native to the States, and they were also softer and larger, thus making them easier to carve into. Apple bobbing is another tradition that came from Ireland and Scotland. It was used as kind of a divination, uh, a way to foretell one's fortune, especially in, in marriage and death. So... People would bob for apples, and oftentimes um, single women would uh, peel an apple all in one strip, and you would then, as a single woman, throw this apple skin over your shoulder, and whatever initial or letter that this apple skin took form would be the first initial of your love, your, your future spouse. Another divinatory practice, if that's a word, uh, divination practice would be roasting hazelnuts. You would carve your own initial into one hazelnut and the initial of your desired person, roast them together. And if one of the hazelnuts jumped out of the fire, that was a bad sign. And if they roasted beautifully together, this was a good omen and that you were a good pair. In Scotland, Wales, and Brittany, there were bonfire divination practices so that when the bonfire started to die down, many stones were laid around the bonfire symbolizing a person in the town. And if any of the stones the next morning were then mislaid or missing, 
this was taken as a sign that the person it represented would not live out the year. I feel like that just gives like a lot of opportunity. Like I feel like if if there was like a person that was unpleasant and people didn't like, they would easily just like, you know, again, in the spirit of the hijinks, the pranks, take said person's stone and, you know, hide it throw it away or whatever just to like mess with them because like how much would that like ruin your celebration your Samhain celebration or I guess for us now Halloween to like find out that apparently you're gonna die so for me as I was saying earlier about the loss of trick-or-treating a lot of you know the commercialism of Halloween as it evolved into a more secular holiday I found a kind of way to elevate my celebration of Halloween by including Samhain. And so there's a very kind of spiritual component for me as a pagan eclectic witch with a lot of influence from Wicca. And one of these uh, aspects that I like to do throughout the month of October is decorating my altar, which is kind of, you know, a sacred space and uh, particularly a surface. I have mine on top of my dresser and it's where I will do some of my witchy workings, which I can go into later, but that's another topic for another episode. But I will then decorate my altar with little pumpkins. Get these at Trader Joe's. I love them. They're like 79 cents. Of course, incense, crystals, anything dark like black tourmaline, obsidian is great, Uh, smoky quartz are beautiful crystals that are really great for Samhain. You can decorate with uh, symbols of mortality that resemble death, like skulls. I definitely have a fake skull. I also have a raven that is a candle that I got from Michael's, which by the way, uh, the weeks leading up to Halloween, they start having like 50% off their merchandise, which is awesome. I expected it to be after the holiday, but I got this Raven candle, normally 20 bucks for $10, and I was a pretty happy camper. Of course, you would also decorate with candles, all the better if they're Raven-shaped. If you want, you can include pictures of your ancestors, your family who have passed. Again, a nice nod to the Day of the Dead. I don't have a lot of ancestors that I know of who've passed. I just don't have a lot of relatives and ancestors that I know of, period. (laughs) So, you know, it's not that my family hasn't had people pass. I just don't know them. And the color correspondences of your candles are uh, also a great way to add some festivity to your altar. Again, blacks, oranges, golds, and silvers are amazing. Black is great for protection and kind of symbolizes night. Orange pumpkins, of course. Silver symbolizes the moon. You can also use white. White's another great color to include and also symbolizes the moon. Gold symbolizes the sun. And I believe orange also symbolizes the sun. I also like decorating with colorful flowers and dried out herbs. Rosemary is supposed to be a really great herb for this season. Apparently, uh, by Smelling rosemary, it helps the oxygenation of your brain and is therefore great for remembrance because the more oxygen you have in your brain, apparently, the better you are at your cognitive functions, such as remembering. Another huge aspect of Samhain 
in ancient times as well as today because, again, you're doing the last of your harvest and basically uh, your crops that are probably going to die in the winter and they would just cook huge feasts and feast on this food and get really nice and happy and fat for the winter. So lack of refrigeration in the ancient times meant you just you just gorged yourself. My friends and I, my witchy friends, like to hold our witches' dinner. And it was actually a couple years back during our witches' dinner where I realized that witchiness was for me. And we basically, you know, start off with some libations and a really whole food nourishing meal and we would make these spell bags and again we'll take various dried flowers that have different correspondences whether you know a certain flower is for friendship or love or success or abundance or you know kind of tapping into your intuition all these things or flowers that you would put into your your bag would help you kind of manifest what you wanted for the next year again this being the witch's new year and another component that we like to include is a release releasing that which we no longer serves us uh we'll write it down on a piece of paper it might be like self-doubt that's the biggest one that comes for me <laughs> i don't know if anyone can relate limiting beliefs such as self-doubt releasing shame that's another good one perfectionism again, for my fellow perfectionists, done is better than perfect. I try to remind myself of that. So you would write these on a piece of paper and it's for me super like cathartic and somewhat um, dramatic and theatrical to then burn said paper with fire. I like fire. So I use it a lot in my practice and it just really like kind of is a good gesture of releasing and then I'll often light my, my corresponding candles, often like orange or black, again, depending on what I'm working on manifesting that year. Witchcraft, a lot of it, at least modern neo-pagan witchcraft, is mostly about manifestation and aligning with your intentions. So for me, it's been a really awesome component of my self-care. You know, a lot of the practices of witchcraft include meditating, journaling, movement whether you know through dance or um, physical activity you know like aerobics or weight training and yoga especially honoring the moon is another aspect of witchiness that I love and it just kind of really falls in line with a lot of self-care so that's why I incorporate pagan practices and witchcraft in my life and again it has just made Halloween Samhain that much more special to me. It's a very auspicious occasion for me and many modern pagans, Wiccans, and the like. And I highly encourage you to do your own research and see what works for you. It just, it gets you really in touch with nature. A lot of it is kind of going back to nature to connect with yourself and others. And I really love that about it. So maybe witchcraft is right for you. I hope you enjoyed this spooky 101 lesson on the origins of Halloween and learning about Samhain and how you can tap into your witchiness. Um, I think it's really cool to see how so many different uh, components, cultures, and facets of history have combined and 
synergized and synthesized this amazing holiday, probably one of, if not the most anticipated holidays of the year. And I know that for me, it's definitely my favorite, if you can't tell. And I'm sure it is for many of you. If you are so inclined, please comment, share either in the comments section of YouTube, if that's where you're watching this, or on uh, Spotify or Apple Music, iTunes, Apple Tunes. I don't know what they're calling it these days. Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Comment. Is Halloween... Samhain your favorite holiday or is it like second or third I would imagine that it has to be at least one of the top three for you if you're uh, drawn to this but I could be wrong so I'd love to hear what you think yeah comment and also don't forget to like subscribe share it helps the podcast it helps me out and it helps spread information and history and hopefully do some some good through darkness in this world. If that hot goth witch chick suddenly gives you a chance this month, don't fall for it. It's sacrifice season. Trust me. You've been warned. Well, that's all we have for this week's episode. This first episode of Too Ghoul for School, the podcast. I had a great time putting this together. Thank you for hanging out and sitting for a spell. Like, share, comment, If there's another spooky soul out there that you think would benefit from this podcast, please send them my way, send me their way, whichever works out. Um, Stay spooky, boils and ghouls, goblins and ghosts. Till next time.